Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. It has been uh, quite a while since I guess we've podcasted, but uh, I did a practice run with uh, Michael Hunter on last week on the ACC Basketball Report Podcast. Uh, go check that one out. This one hopefully will be just as good, maybe better. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's the weekend. i got to work a little bit early. I'm enjoying a frosty cold beverage and uh, talking college basketball. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's de- definitely interesting times. Uh, if you listen to some people, the world is ending. Uh, if you listen to other people, uh, nothing is happening. We're not going to talk about uh, coronavirus or anything related to that. We're going to talk about... Uh, Wake Forest firing Danny Manning and the G League ending college basketball as we know it because uh, this this may as well be the last edition of the uh, Making the Madness College Basketball podcast because the G League's taking over and ending the sport as we know it. That's right. Okay, so let's let's get into the uh, actual uh, news. Uh, the reason I guess I brought you on here as the uh, local ACC guy, uh, Wake Forest has fired Danny Manning. They've now hired Steve Forbes. Uh, what do you make of this whole situation? Uh, was the buyout? Do you think Wake Forest kind of reached to pay the buyout? Looks like they might be able to at least agree to some sort of settlement that's not the $15 million. What do you make of this whole situation when it comes to Wake Forest? I think as far as Wake Forest goes, if you're a Wake Forest fan, a Wake Forest alum, a Wake Forest uh, you know, fan, uh, a student, um, certainly an athletic department employee, uh, I think you hit the trifecta here because I think you know, if you're able to reduce that $15 million buyout by, you know, some reports say half, there are other reports that say it's less than half. So, you know, that's a huge win for the athletic department. Um the bio shouldn't hinder the athletic department going forward. I think them finding the ability to to, to go forward forward with this firing in a year where there are no other Power Six conference jobs open, so they have nobody to compete with for a, a great mid-major coach such as Steve Forbes it is a huge win. They basically they were the only dog in that race. I think that's that's a huge. You know, leverage point for them as far as negotiations with Steve Forbes. You know, he can't, you know, go back and forth from one to the other and kind of play both sides against the middle. So I think that's a big win for the school. And then I think ultimately you got the guy. I mean, Steve Forbes is 130 and 43 at East Tennessee State in a time when the Southern Conference is maybe the strongest it has ever been. And I don't think. As far as where the program is at and where it has been in recent seasons, I don't think you could have asked for a whole lot better. Um, and I think, you know, guys, we talked about it last week on my podcast, you and I, you know, and, and, and friends of ours have discussed it at length. A lot of people were torn between Steve Forbes and West Miller. I was a West Miller guy, but I know plenty of people that were a Steve Forbes guy, and I can certainly get behind it. He comes from a great coaching tree. His background is fantastic. He's won everywhere he's been. He's recruited well everywhere he's been. He's highly respected in the community. And really the only reason that he didn't get hired for a Power 6 job prior to this is because he was involved with some of Bruce Pearl's so-called shenanigans back in the day, which 
aren't really shenanigans. I, you know, we've talked about Bruce Pearl before. I think he kind of gets a bad rap. I, I'm in the Bruce Pearl corner. If I had a kid, he could play for Bruce Pearl. And, you know, I, I think Steve Forbes may have been judged unfairly, and Wake Forest has been the beneficiary of that. Yeah, it, definitely going back to the uh, Bruce Pearl situation, kind of, you know, at the time, that's, I guess, a little bit of a rule. If Bruce Pearl comes out and says, yeah, at a barbecue with Aaron Kraft, uh, whatever, you know, it's technically a violation, but it's nothing big. Tennessee's probably Forbes and Bruce Pearl and the rest of that coaching staff are all uh, probably doing just fine. Uh, I think we can can all agree that the NCAA is kind of like a high school girl in that regard. You know, everything is fine until... You know, you're not 100% honest with them or you think you, you may deviate from the truth or, or withhold a little bit of information. And that's that's really what's getting a lot of these coaches in trouble these days is they're just not fully cooperating with the NCAA, which when you look at some of the punishments that the NCAA has handed down with their heavy-handedness and, and you know, the ebbs and flows as far as being heavy-handed or being lenient or simply not punishing some, some programs at all, why would you ever be forthcoming with them when you can just be standoffish and possibly get away with it. Yeah, oh, I definitely agree in regard to that. I think you hit on the nail uh, that two the two best options going into this coaching search uh, were Wes Miller, Steve Forbes. I was kind of on the Wes Miller uh, bandwagon. Not that I, I think either higher if they got Wes Miller or Steve Forbes, it was a... <laughs> slam dunk 360 zion style slam dunk because that's there there was there was no way you could really go wrong uh he's in for a long rebuild at wake forest uh i think they're down to maybe four scholarship players so he's he's gonna have to uh do wonders to even build a team for next season because uh just the mass exodus that is kind of taking place at that program, a lot of people, you know, Olivier Saar, who just transferred out today, was like, I'm not going to play for a hand-picked coach. I'm going to go explore other options. Uh, maybe he goes back to Wake Forest. Uh, we'll get kind of into that later. But he's definitely in for a long rebuild uh, ahead in the future. And it's kind of partly because... Uh, gaming really didn't leave them a whole lot uh, roster-wise. Uh, kind of the p- talented players they did have at the time were uh, not all that talented. Wake Forest has been under gaming one of the uh, worst programs in the ACC. Uh, maybe you could argue Boston College, uh, Pittsburgh, I guess, in the gaming era has been uh, maybe worse, but. Aside from that, it's it's a short list for who has been the worst program in the ACC. And for Wake Forest to kind of, if you're able to get anything less than the $15 buy, million dollar buyout, I think that's a win because uh, it looked like it was going to be a major settlement. Maybe they still pay the $15 million or maybe it's $12 million or whatever it is. Uh, I think if they're able to get anything less than that and get Steve Forbes and get no competition uh, for Steve Forbes, essentially, I think you chalk that as a win and move on. Absolutely. So moving on, uh, just touched on it, uh, Olivier Saar is uh, transferring. 
what schools kind of make sense to you? I think the clear favorite is probably Kentucky. Uh, Maryland's maybe one that you could consider, but I think those are Kentucky's probably the heavy favorite for SAR. Do you see him going to Kentucky or maybe somewhere else? I, I think you're correct. I think Maryland. I'm sorry. I think Kentucky is the team to beat. Um, they have kind of whiffed on some transfers lately, which is interesting. Um, their roster is a little bit up in the air. I believe that Ashton Higgins is in in the draft process. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to follow through with that. that. He's one of the more interesting um, declarations so far this offseason. Uh, they get Keon Brooks back, which you know doesn't really excite me. He was he was very bad. Simply put, um, in, in his freshman season, they, they do have you know their roster is very. I, I do like some of their wings as far as uh, Terrence Clark, BJ Boston, both one and done five star guys, going to be phenomenal on the wing. Uh, but they're more uh, hybrid forward types than they are than they are shooters. Uh, the front court is where they're thin. You know, Sestina's gone. EJ Montgomery declared for the draft, which. He would be the piece, you know, on this team that would that would make me a little bit more confident in 2020-21 Kentucky. Um, the the transfer of Mints uh, from Creighton is, is going to be fine, I think, as as uh, a rotational guard. I don't know a whole lot about their their freshmen outside of uh, of Boston and uh, and Clark, but you know, Sar can separate in. You know, he's he's going to play for Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to beat down his door. But honestly, Maryland, it, I think, is going to be the better team um, next season. You know, I love Dante Scott as a uh, as a breakout candidate. I, I think that the Wiggins kid is sometimes overrated, but I think he has potential. Uh, Daryl Morsell is obviously a behemoth on, on the defensive end. And then um, Eric Ayala is, is another good player that they have on the wing. So they're... They're sturdy on the wing. I, I do really like Maryland, but then, of course, you have to cross the bridge when it comes to, to Mark Turgeon. You really never know what kind of foolishness he's going to come up with to, to ruin a good season. Um, if they are able to get Jarris Hamilton um, eligible, uh, you know, a starting five of, of Olivier Sar, Jarris Hamilton, um, Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, and, and Daryl Morsell if Ayala can kind of handle those point guard duties now that, that Anthony Cowan is gone, is is a damn good starting five. Now, Joel Mariel is, is a talented kid, but I don't know if I trust him to stay healthy. So, you know, him coming off the bench may not be a bad thing. But right now, Mariel is the only big they have on the roster. Um, you know, Jerry Hamilton didn't play didn't play power forward at, at Boston College. He was a kind of a hybrid type forward guy. And I think they're kind of expecting him to slide into that four spot. I'm not quite sure how he's going to react or how he's going to play into that. And then, you know, again, you come back to Turgeon. Can Turgeon coach him up? So he's effective in that role. I'm not really sure. But I think when you compare Maryland, when you compare Kentucky, I think Maryland's the better the better upside team. But I trust Cal Perry, obviously, a, a whole lot more than I trust Turgeon to get the most out of his team. Um, as far as some outside teams... You know, I think a team that could could really be helped, you know, in you know by the services of Olivier Sar is is the Creighton Blue Jays. I would love to see him go to Omaha. Um, you know, play with Zegerson, uh, play with Balak. Uh, you know, I, O'Connell, um, Christian Bishop is, is a player that kind of emerged this year. Um, I I think that you know 
Creighton is a team that seems like they've been a big man away from being truly elite uh, since uh, Justin Patton left a couple years ago. So I would personally like to see him go to Creighton. And I think another team, and this is obviously a, a fanboy moment for me, but Georgia Tech really needs a big, and Georgia Tech really knows how to use bigs. They have the pip and pop, a pick and pop ability of Olivia Saar. They can handle the ball around the free throw line. And I tweeted it out today that a starting five, Jose Alvarado, Mike DeVoe, Jordan Usher, Moses Wright, and Olivier Saar, makes Georgia Tech a top five team in the ACC. You're talking, you know, three guys in that starting lineup are in the top 20 of an ACC scoring from the 2019-20 season. Then you have Saar, who's a third-team all-ACC performer. I, I think that Georgia, I mean, that makes Georgia Tech a, a tournament team for sure, a top-five team in the ACC. Eric Reveno is one of the best big men coaches in the entire country. And Georgia Tech has shown in, in recent seasons with James Banks and Ben Lammers since Josh Pastner came on to you know the Atlanta campus that they know how to utilize their big men. They know how to play to their strengths. And I think Star could be incredibly um, you know effective in that role for the, for the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, you were, you were definitely uh, digging the uh, Georgia Tech potentially landing uh, Sar, which I, I, I got to say... Looking at the ACC next year, uh, Georgia Tech could be a top five ACC team anyway without SAR because the, the ACC, as we kind of touched on last week, it's not really looking all that good. North Carolina, I guess, is in for a bounce back season. It kind of looks like, though, Virginia and Duke at the top. Uh, moving on kind of to Kentucky, they're going to be extremely young next season. Uh, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, that's a good one-two punch. Uh, I think Keon Brooks will definitely take a step forward. So you got kind of the two-through-four spot. Uh, Mintz, I guess, is okay at the point guard. Him and Askew uh, can kind of kind of both run the show a little bit. Uh, Askew, I think, is kind of a two-and-done guy more than one-and-done guy. Uh, more so, like... I see him more as like maybe an Emmanuel quickly where he breaks out his sophomore year as opposed to maybe like a Shea Gilgis Alexander, at least with uh, Askew. And then their bigs are kind of young. You know, they're they're at the front court position. I think eventually they will be all right. But they're if this is the roster they have right now, they are going to. People thought losing to Evansville and the way they started uh, non-conference play this year uh, was bad. It might they probably don't lose to Evansville, but they might lose to someone else. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a better team than Evansville, who ended up like 330th in Ken Palm. But you maybe know, Georgia they, they play Georgia Tech this year. Yeah, they might. That Georgia Tech game, it's in Atlanta? I believe so. I think they played it rough last year. That, that would be a very tough game uh, for them. Is Hagen's, on, on verbal commits, he, it still says that he's on the roster, that he hasn't gone pro, where it shows EJ Montgomery is gone. But yeah, Hagen signed with an agent yesterday. He did. Okay, okay. Yeah, I so... Their their starting five is I guess completely gone because yeah that makes up. them that makes me even more down on them I thought you know Higgins is the key you, know, you yeah. gotta have that steady hand and you know I'm, I'm gonna say I've seen BJ Ball I follow Georgia 
high school basketball more than I follow, you know, any other state's basketball for obvious reasons as an ACC fan. But this BJ Boston kid has been incredible since he was a freshman. Like, you, you can see it written all over him when he was a freshman. And I think he's going to open a lot of eyes for Kentucky this year. Yeah, I think Boston and Terrence Clark are both, you know, they're obvious one-and-done lottery pick-type guys. I just don't... That supporting cast is just way too iffy for me to really buy into Kentucky. Uh, I don't know if they have enough shooting. Yeah. seems like a common theme. Like, Boston can shoot, and I believe Clark can shoot as well a little bit, but I, I, Brooks Boston isn't, isn't a shooter. A, you know, he is or he isn't. Brooks isn't a shooter, I don't think. Isn't. No, Keon isn't, but is, uh, is uh, Tristan Clark, or Terrence Clark, I should say. Uh, I haven't watched him a whole lot. I, I me neither. I'm guessing I know he's, he's really good. I just haven't yeah. watched a lot of tape on him. Um, but Boston isn't, you know, he's not Malik Monk. He's a guy that if you leave him open, he's probably going to drill it in your mug. But he, he's not going to throw four moves at you and get his own shot on, on the perimeter. So he's, he's not really that player. This Kentucky team, if it had kept Emmanuel quickly around for another season mm-hmm. and then landed Matt Harms... This, is, yeah. this Kentucky team, like, at that point would have been maybe preseason number one, but obviously Emmanuel quickly, you know, come off SEC Player of the Year, you couldn't really expect him to return uh, to college. And yeah. then, you know, at so, that So, and then, say, say quickly comes back and they get any one of the, one of the three premier big men in Harnes, Santo Silva, or... Or Olivia Sar. How, how much do you like Kentucky? What do you think their upside is? I, I think with Emmanuel Quickly and one of those big men, they they're probably preseason number one team in the country. I think. Whoa. Maybe I think I top love. five. Top five, definitely top I, five. I, I can go top five. I, I love Boston, man. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a double entendre for me because I'm from the Northeast. But um, I mean, the kid is is unreal. I think if. If they signed Sar and they had kept quickly, I say signed like he's a free agent in the NBA, but that's kind of what we're getting at here. Um, I mean, that's that's incredible, especially if if Mints can be effective or if Askew can be effective, then quickly can play off the ball again. Then Kentucky's back in business, baby. Yeah, unfortunately, Emmanuel quickly is already signed with an agent, so we won't that's be right. seeing uh, him this year. Uh, as is the case, I, I think at the moment, maybe Gonzaga's the preseason number one team instead of Kentucky. Maybe Villanova. If they get their guys back. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that part yeah, later. We'll that. Let, let's move to the uh, name, image, and likeness rights. Uh, this completely, this, this more so you know, destroys the fabric of what is college basketball than the G League. Uh, no disrespect to the G League, but major disrespect i think this is a good move for college basketball in the long run uh you're gonna get an example this year tyshawn alexander uh, emmanuel quickly may those guys maybe would have been drafted uh they might get drafted in the nba draft uh but let's say a big booster from kentucky or uh creighton uh you know puts out a you can Sponsor this car dealership for $250,000. Maybe they're leaving. I think it does a good job for uh, the athletes. 
Uh, the NBA one done rules not going anywhere, so it, it is going to affect who can kind of sign at what colleges. You're still going to get Zion Williamson's. Uh, maybe this time just over the table money to go to Duke as opposed to uh, what is believed to be under the table money to go to Duke. Uh, you're still going to get those situations, but I think it's good for college basketball as a whole. I hate NIL. And it's it's difficult. Well, okay. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to explain why I dislike this rule because it's never good to argue for the corporation that isn't paying for their skilled laborers. Okay. And the corporation in this case would be the NCAA who makes huge amounts of money from unpaid labor. I, I completely understand that. It, here's the problem. I am a college basketball purist at heart, okay, and I, I know sometimes that term, when you're talking about any kind of sports, is thrown around a little bit recklessly when you're talking about baseball or NBA or whatever. But I would rather, I, I support the one-and-done rule, I support the kids going pro, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, more than I support this name, image, and likeness rights for individuals and people outside of college basketball determining free market values. Because, you know, listening, I'm, I don't know if you listen to Titus and Tate, but, you know, a couple weeks ago they hit it right on the head, I think. What does it do to the social structure in the locker room when Zion is representing a local car company for 250 grand while, you know, somebody else in the locker room is driving a 1985 Honda to practice? Um, what does it do when, you know, I, I like that, yeah, basically the only thing is now the kids are paying taxes on their money. Um, what does it do for in-home visits? Does, does Coach K bring Duke's biggest booster to, to the number one player in the country's home for an in-home visit and then make a presentation about, you know, our, our, our deals as far as representation and, and uh, apparel and, you know, endorsements, are, are those part of their pretty pitches now? I mean, let's not pretend that, that you know, the, the landscape is even in college basketball right now when you're talking about um, education, when you're talking about resources, uh, academics, uh, certainly facilities, coaching staffs, budgets, uh, television deals, um, you know, tournament appearances, you know, your face on, you know, the ACC network or, you know, the Pac-12 network. You know, all those things absolutely, you know, slant the college basketball landscape as far as as far as recruiting goes. But to to just to, to one to rely on the NCAA to regulate all this stuff, if you let somebody pay two hundred and fifty grand to rec to, to represent your company and be the face of your company as a college student, how do you regulate that? If those people are willing to pay that money, that is their apparent market value. I, I just I think it's such a slippery slope. I think what I would rather do is, if you're going to sell uh, name, image, and likeness rights to like 2K Sports or EA Sports or apparel companies to, to fabricate jerseys and things like that, I think you need to sell NCAA basketball as a package deal. Then the NCAA should negotiate that deal with that company and then distribute that money evenly to to the athletes within that package. Now. That's not really fair because I get Zion's, you know, jersey is going to sell more than the 12th man on, you know, some MEAC team that you never know even existed. But 
at least to keep it from getting completely out of control. You know, I tweeted up the other day that if you're going to lean on the NCAA to regulate this stuff, they have a hard enough time remaining consistent with punishments, approving hardship waivers, and even punishing coaches that are caught cheating on tape or talking about cheating on tape. Now we're going to say that they're going to, they're going to follow the money in a one-and-done era in a timely enough fashion to punish both the, the booster, the player, and the program. I have zero faith that the NCAA has the ability to do that. And I think this year is a very slippery slope. And I would rather the kids go pro, get paid, go to the G League, get paid, do whatever they want. And I'll sit through a 69-67 drama-filled game rather than an 83-81 drama-filled basketball game. You know, the talent may come down a little bit. But I just I think this is bad for college basketball. When you start throwing huge sums of money around, I think egos will get overblown. I think social drama will happen in the locker rooms, and I think it will kill college basketball as we know it. I I don't think it's going to kill college basketball uh, as we know it. I'm not going to go on that far of a tangent. I think it could cause some. You know, you mentioned the locker room issues. It could definitely cause some issues if. The ninth man's driving a 1985 Porsche and uh, uh, the number one recruit, Zion Williamson, for example, is driving a Lamborghini to practice. I That that social structure is going to be interesting, but it is kind of, you know, looking at other sports, it is kind of the same deal. You look at the NBA, you know, LeBron's driving a Lamborghini to practice and sure. The twelfth man on the Lakers, I guess that they are now. Uh, they're driving. I don't watch the NBA. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> they, there will always be laundry in college basketball. Whether the talent is, you know, at a high level, which it right now is, you know, this past season kind of dipped a little bit. I think that you'll see that talent level rebound a little bit, which kind of re-energizes the crowd you're gonna get you know more people staying three and four years than you would right now which is it's good for graduation rates good for the college programs uh that kind of rely on that apr scores i guess uh that's another thing that can kind of benefit well i do think it could cause certainly some issues uh whether it be you know, recruiting tactics, maybe all the good players go to Duke and Kentucky, but at the same time, all the good players already go to Duke and Kentucky. And furthermore, those schools have won uh, the past 10 years two national championships. So, you know, maybe recruiting is, you know, going to be leaned on towards those programs, but at the same time, it's still going to be I think the Jay Wrights of the world and the Villanova and you know the Virginias who kind of get the you know guys who are able to stay three and four years in schools that are still going to win uh, national championships more so than it is uh, the teams who just talent grab, throw out all their money and grab five five star recruits that are in the top twenty of the recruiting rankings. I don't know if it will necessarily. You know, maybe at some point you're going to get into an issue with the talents just too great. But at the same point, if we continue having the same type of recruits go to where they're going, 
I don't know if it's making that much of a factor. And I do think having, you know, players playing essentially for free is not really fair to them. Do I do I hope like what everyone's hoping for in this is the 2K or uh, EA Sports college basketball <laughs> game. Uh, every every single person is hoping f- for that to go on the PS4, PS5. I guess we'll get we'll get to the PS5 or Xbox, uh, whatever edition that's on. Uh, as we go forward, I think everyone's hoping for college basketball video game, college football video game. And I think at that point you can kind of distribute the money evenly from that to the players, to the NCAA, to EA Sports creating the game, which I think is going to be hopefully one thing that comes out of this whole situation. I agree, 100%. Moving on, uh, the G League is stealing everyone from college basketball. Uh, Jalen Green, who was not signed to go anywhere, now it's Isaiah Todd, who... Uh, is I guess the top twenty recruit, Dacian Nix, who some are regarding as the uh, top point guard prospect uh, in this class. Uh, what what do you make of this whole G League situation where they're trying to I guess pay the players to stay in the United States? Is it something to be concerned about for college basketball? Uh, is it the end of college basketball as some are claiming? No. I think the end of college basketball, if, if there is such a thing, is, is what we just talked about. I think it would be name, image, and likeness, right? Which, you know, which we talked about. It's it's always difficult to argue against, you know, the labor force when you're talking about millions and billions of dollars. So, as far as the G League goes, you know, I understand where some of the, you know, the college basketball heavy hitters, Doster and all of guys, um, you know, buddies of yours. Um, are, are referencing as far as yes, we want to keep the most amount of talent in college basketball. Yes, that goes without saying. But at the same time, you know the NBA is is really running the show here, and they've created a system where these kids can go get paid if they want. Now, many of us, of us you, I, you know, all the people that consider ourselves, you know, intelligent or at least able to speak intelligently about college basketball, have long said that this. This one done rule is, is, is nonsense. We need to get rid of it. Well, this is what that essentially looks like. These kids have the ability to go to the G League if they'd like to and get paid. And I, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, I understand that it may, it may water down the product as far as college basketball goes. But, you know, I'm not watching. If, if I wanted to watch the best of the best, I would watch the NBA every night. But college basketball is... It's so much more than just the talent on the floor. It's it, you know, it's the it's the tournament. It's the drama. It's anybody can lose at any given night. It's arguing with your friends about your school, defeating his school. You know what what players you're developing, whose coach is is more ridiculous. It's college basketball is, is an experience unlike any other as far as the tournament, as far as conference play. As far as feast week, as far as you know, midseason tournaments, it's it's. I'm okay with some of the you know three of. I don't care about Jalen Green. I've never seen him play. 
I'll be straight up and honest. Never seen Jalen Green play. I am not going to miss the fact that he's not going to be in college basketball next year. Now, would I like to see him play because he's a very talented kid, which even having not seen him play, I know he's very talented. Sure, that'd be fantastic. But if he doesn't want to be here and he wants to go earn some money, who the hell am I to say he shouldn't do that? So go. Be free. Earn your cash, man. Take advantage of your talents while you're young, while you're healthy, and while you can do so. And I'm fully in favor of that, and I'm going to enjoy college basketball next year and probably never miss it. Yeah, on the last end, go if you're Jalen Green, you're Dacian Nix, you're Isaiah Todd, uh, people are paying you money to go play basketball. They're not even going to play college basketball, which is kind of more organized. Uh, I think a better measuring stick for uh, developing players uh, and kind of seeing who's good. If someone's re- willing to pay you to play, I don't even know if they're going against G League talent or what the whole system is set up. If people are going to pay you to do that, uh, go ahead and do it. Uh, and college basketball will survive uh, without the Jalen Greens of the world. I think the bigger issue is, you know, frankly, simply put, it's losing Emmanuel quickly from Kentucky and people yes. like that. I think that's a bigger issue, you know, in terms of the talent, in terms of the cohesion. Having a Emmanuel quickly or Tyshawn Alexander in college basketball is more important than having Jalen Green. Sure, Auburn, Auburn, or Memphis—they go from maybe not a tournament team to a top 25 team if they add Jalen Green. I don't know if Isaiah Todd makes that much of an impact. Uh, I think Isaiah Livers makes more of an impact for Michigan than it would be Isaiah Todd. And you know, UCLA, Dacian Nix takes away some of the talent that UCLA was going to have. They still have Tiger Campbell at the point guard position. He's So you don't want to play off the ball? Yeah. You don't want Tiger Campbell playing off the ball. You and and Deshaun, and Deshaun Nix wants to play on the ball. So, I mean, you you alleviate yourself of that sort of, you know, I don't know, sandpaper rubbing, you know, friction. But you know, like you said, overall talent wise, Nix would be fantastic. But Tiger Campbell may be a better creator. But you have to have Nix. You have to have the ball in Nix's hands in order for him to succeed. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and certainly Knicks is a better overall player than Tiger Campbell, but UCLA's going to be... They may not have the ceiling of Pac-12 favorite uh, going into the season, which I think they would have been, maybe top 15 team or something like that. Maybe they're not going to be quite that good. They're still going to be a fine tournament team. Uh, And more so if they lost Chris Smith as opposed to Dacian Nix, I still think they might end up being worse uh, and Chris Smith is going through the draft process and Dacian Nix, yeah, you lose him but at the same time UCLA will be they're going to survive without Dacian Nix I agree Moving on, Marcus Santos Silva uh, he is off to Texas Tech Uh, is this a missing piece that makes Texas Tech a legitimate title contender? Man, it would be. It would be if Jemias Ramsey would come back to school, but I don't think he's going to. I think it's it's a foregone conclusion. He's a one-and-done player. He's, he certainly has that talent. Um, 
you know, if, if Ramsey come back, Jesus, if Ramsey came back, you're talking about Davide Moretti, Ramsey, Kyler Edwards, five-star incoming recruit Namari Burnett, Terrence Shannon, um, all all perimeter type guys with a with a front court, which is kind of what they were missing last year. They desperately tried to get Joel Pembe, um, you know, eligible last year. T.J. Holyfield was really their their big guy that just I mean he gave it his heart and soul last year, but you know it just sometimes it just wasn't enough. You know, this year if you have that perimeter, you have in Pembe, you have Santos Silva. And if, 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 God willing, you get a, a healthy Tyreek Smith, who I am a huge fan of Tyreek Smith. I don't know if you saw this kid play in high school. He, he's athletic on the boards. He's, he's a block machine. If he's healthy, if he's their third big man, oh, I mean, th- this team is very good even without Ramsey. But with Santos Silva in their front court as their starting big, and Smith and then Tom Wade backing him up, Given this roster and I, what top five, top seven at worst coach in the entire country, Texas Tech with Ramsey is a national title contender. Without him, they're probably you know depending on Burnett, elite eight. But I still really like Kyler Edwards. Um, you know, Moretti's going to be a senior, so I just I, I think this is a really really good team. Um, you know, if you're if you're not going to get Matt Harms. You might as well get Marco Santos Silva, and it's not—it's not a huge downgrade. It may be a downgrade defensively, but Silva's still a very good rebounder, and he can score the ball better than Arms. So, I love this addition for Texas Tech. I think this puts them top six in the nation. I think is probably where I'm going to have them. You know, going into the next season, I, I haven't done a whole lot of, of deep diving yet. That's going to come probably in July. But I would expect Texas Tech to be very high in my preseason poll. Yeah, I think it makes them probably a top ten team. I'm assuming Jamias Ramsey's gone. I've seen him. <laughs> most places have him either like really early second round or late first round. He's kind of in that position. So I assume Jamias Ramsey's gone. If he comes back, I guess maybe throw Texas Tech into the uh, title favorites category or something like that. But Top three, a, right? I, if he comes back, I'd throw them in the top four. I think there's yeah. a clear top three right now in Gonzaga, Villanova, and Baylor. I think that would make uh, Texas Tech, I guess, the fourth. But mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's gone. I still think this roster, uh, Santos Silva, uh, Terrence Shannon, uh, they're loaded at the guard position. you got Kyler Edwards. you got Burnett. You've got PV. Uh, this is just a very, very uh, loaded roster overall. I think it's you know probably a top ten team. I think I have them projected as a three seed in my bracketology, but it's kind of the. I think they're the first of the three seeds as opposed to the fourth of the three seeds that I kind of have out there. I think it's just a really good addition for Texas Tech and. He's going to make a major impact for the Red Raiders as they look to maybe win a Big 12 title and certainly uh, compete for you know a second Final Four in three years, which would be just incredible uh, for Chris Beard and Texas Tech and show that Chris Beard is definitely worthy of being in that top five coach conversation. 
Is that still is that still up for debate? I I think right now it is, but if Texas Tech goes to another Final Four, I think it's pretty much going to be Tech Chris Beard's a top five coach in the sport, uh, even if he doesn't win the national championship. So let, let me I'm gonna I'm gonna play host real quick if you don't mind, but. Let me ask you a real quick question. Freddie Gillespie's gone from Baylor, correct? Is, is that correct? Yes. Why? I, 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 if, if Gillespie is gone, you, you still think Baylor's top three team in the nation? Yeah, I, I really like their guards. I I think if Butler returns, Teague, uh, Davion Mitchell's just a menace on the defensive end, <laughs> Mark Vidal's a perfect scheme. And then Love, I think, you know, that... Returning those four, and then um, if you get a healthy Tristan Clark, that's a very, very scary team. Cause I agree. I agree. If that, you get, that, that Clark stipulation is a huge hit. Yeah, if you get healthy Tristan Clark, I think Baylor is not only the favorite in the Big 12, they're the, they might, you know, win the whole thing because he's, he's kind Ooh, of, up. he, he's, that missing factor, who's just not, he wasn't ready to play last season, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, his ability to score inside and out for Baylor, I think, is kind of the missing piece they need. Frey Gillespie is much better defensively than Tristan Clark, but, you know, a healthy Tristan Clark, a good Tristan Clark, and what that's a, that's a big if, I guess, that that is a big if, but if you do get a healthy Tristan Clark, Baylor, I think top three team going into next season, uh, his ability to just score on the interior at a really high rate is very valuable to that Baylor team. Yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 I would put, uh, and we're going to talk about it a little bit here in a minute, but um, I, I would... Uh, yeah, I would put Texas second uh, ahead of Baylor right now without Gillespie. Right now, I would put Texas second. It, it's certainly going to be a fun race in the Big 12. Uh, you throw in <laughs> Kansas, West Virginia is returning their entire team. Uh, Texas is back, as we've mentioned before. Uh, Oklahoma State probably has the best player in the country in Cade Cunningham. That Big 12 yeah. is going to be loaded. It is. It's going to be fun. Oklahoma is the seventh best team in that league going into the preseason. And that's that's a pretty good seventh best team. They get that boy back next year. Doolittle is he back again? No, he's the uh, only one leaving. They've got Manic. Uh, they've got Kur Kuath or I. Yeah. Yep. Whatever his name one, is. One one guy there to look to take a big jump. Is Victor Iwukor? Is that how you say his last name? I have I, no I, idea. I, I can't say his last name, but I'm gonna tell you right now. That kid's athletic. That kid's talented. I, you know, Christian Doolittle was one of my favorite players in the entire country last year. But I, this kid, he was a freshman, I believe, last year. He's talented, and Long Kruger is an excellent coach. Look for that kid to make a big jump in his sophomore season. Yeah, and then I think you got Austin Reeves, uh, B-Enemy, or B-Enemy yep. transferred, uh, who am I think? Davion Harmon, that's who it is. Yes. Uh, he's, yep. he's at the point. So Oklahoma is going to be really good as well, and 
Uh, Oklahoma State, as mentioned, has the top player. That Big 12 is just going to be absolutely loaded. Uh, could see a situation where a bunch of teams go 10-8, and 12-6, and 6, and then you got Kansas State, Iowa State, and uh, TCU at the bottom at like 4 and. 14 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. No more Desmond Bain. Sorry, fellas. Yeah. I think Iowa State might reach Wake Forest levels of uh, low next season, uh, which is saying a lot. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> Rasir Bolton is, is more talented than anybody else on, is, than anybody on Wake Forest, though. So, and I can say that because there's only two scholarship players currently on Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wake Forest is Steve Forbes. If he can win four games in the ACC next year, uh, he should win ACC Coach of the Year. Absolutely agree. That's the Josh Tyson. Yeah. Moving on, uh, NC State lost uh, another recruit before they ever stepped foot on campus in Josh Hall. Uh, he's off to the NBA. Uh, I guess he's kind of an upside play guy. Uh, he could be really good for them, but I don't see why he went to the NBA. Could have gone off in his freshman season. Maybe he'll end up somewhere. It's just kind of a confusing move to me. What do you make of uh, Josh Hall going to the NBA draft? You know, this is well, for his bad decision. First of all, but at the same time, you know, you, I, we don't know the situation, you know, that, that he, that he's currently in his family. Maybe I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that I know, but this is where, you know, this, this G league stuff for this, I mean, actually the G, this isn't a G league thing. This is just, he's a, he's a 50 year prep kid. He qualifies for the NBA draft, just, just like Jalen Mark. So, um, it, it's, a sometimes you just can't, protect people from themselves and again I don't know what his family situation is so I'm not going to pretend like I do but he's an excellent shooter and he's got a you know he's 6, 8, 6, 9 I believe somewhere in that range but you know he's he's not a physical kid he he, he may be a 3 and D type he's going to go undrafted he's going to end up in the G League that's going to be what happened he's going to he's gonna have to play his way into a two way deal um, it's it's a poor decision and this is a kid that he has NBA upside. I mean, he, he's one of the you know the top fifty kids in, in the nation. But I mean, you got you got to go to NC State. You got to play. You got to play on TV. You got to put on weight. You got to you got to learn to absorb contact. You got to work on your body. You need to expand your game. I mean, this is the type of kid that's a that's a two and done, three and done type guy. But you know, due to circumstances that we may know about, or maybe outside of his control. He's going to take his shot. And hey, that, that's what life's all about. You take your shot. But I, I just, you know, I hate it for the kid because I think he could make it there if he was being patient. I don't know if he has that, that, uh, that, that ability, that, you know, that convenience to, to, to be patient as far as his professional aspirations go. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll end up on uh, Jalen Green's G League team. I think that would be. <laughs> Jalen No, Jalen Green. The okay. Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd team. Maybe, maybe he'll luck out and end up yeah. there. Uh, I think. And then because uh, that 
the NBA is producing it, he's going to end up being a uh, first-round pick because that that's how that works. Uh, sure. Yeah, we, we don't know the family situation. On the surface, the decision is kind of puzzling. I think... You know, not go- not having a draft process. Jalen Lequeu, he went through the draft process. He was like one of the most athletic players at the draft combine that season, and so you can kind of see where, hey, maybe I can go out and play in the NBA. Uh, not having that draft process, I think, you know, should tell a lot of these guys. Um, we'll come get into this later to come back unless you just. You're done with college. Uh, maybe never wanted to go to college, but and that could be part of it. That's fine. I, I, yeah. that, that's it. That, that's a great point, Jada. And I think that's part. Maybe you know some guys just don't want to go to college. I don't like school. That's fine. If that's the case, cool, man. Um, speaking of Leck, I just want to jump in real quick. I, I've tweeted that a couple times over the years, but Leck is a, a New York point guard. Alvarado, Jose Alvarado, current Georgia Tech point guard. Is a Brooklyn kid. Have you ever seen the video of, of Alvarado and Jalen Leck going in a game against each other? Uh, I have not. I'll uh, go watch the YouTube clip after we're done here. I will tweet it out again. It, it's beautiful. They're playing a street game for some kind of function. It's a it's a Carmelo Anthony sponsored event, I believe. And uh, Al, uh, Jalen Leck is guarding Alvarado. And Alvarado in mid dribble bounces the ball right off Jalen Leck's face. It is fantastic <laughs> television. It's, it's it's great. I I'm so you're you're going to tweet that video out, right? I will tweet that out for sure. Okay. Absolutely. Go go follow at ACCBR1 uh, and check out that clip. So uh, if you've made it to this far in the podcast, uh, because we've <laughs> we've kind of rambled too. on on. A bit of stuff. Moving on, uh, going to get into some draft decisions that are uh, of actual people that went to college. Uh, going to start with Malachi Flynn. He's off to the NBA. Uh, was this decision a mistake? Uh, what do you kind of make of him leaving for the NBA? You know, when it comes to a kid like Malachi, if you're not a believer at this point, I'm not sure you'll ever be. Um, given what he did this year, if he doesn't do the same, if he does the same, if he performs slightly below what he did this year, then you're going to say that your beliefs are solidified. And he set the bar incredibly high. I mean, he was the best offensive and the best defensive player in the Mountain West last year. So if you're not a believer, you probably never will be. And to expect maybe that level of play from him again is a tall order. So I think that he probably made the right decision in going to the league. Yeah, I'm also on the decision. That's probably the smart decision. I think he already graduated from San Diego State. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he was he was going to graduate. I think this semester, so no reason to I guess take a graduate year to play at San Diego State when you can go to the NBA and make your money, uh, which I think he's good to. Maybe he's a second round pick. Uh, but I, I definitely think this is probably the smart decision. Tyshawn Alexander is off to the NBA. Uh, it's kind of the one of the bigger uh, you know controversies, I guess, players that we've talked about on how how good their team would have been had he stayed. I think Creighton would have been 
uh, top four team preseason. Uh, how big does this have on of an impact does this have on Creighton? Oh, huge. I mean, he's arguably their best player outside of Marcus Zagorowski. I agree that if he would have came back, they're a top five team. Um, not sure. I, again, we don't know what's what's going on in personal situations, but um, you know, you got to do what's right for you. Um, Alexander is, is a great player. He certainly has the ability to play his way onto an NBA roster eventually. I'm not sure that happens immediately. But uh, as far as Creighton goes, you know, with the with the the migration of Mintz to Kentucky and and Alexander to the NBA, Alex O'Connell and uh, damn, who am I trying to think of? Uh, it, uh, Antoine Jones Jr. Um, those guys better be ready to play because Creighton has the coaching, they have the point guard, you know, they have the capability to be a top twenty-five team in the nation, and you know they have a lot. They have huge shoes to fill. And, you know, O'Connell, this is what he's been striving for his entire career. I hope he's ready because Creighton is, you know, Zagorowski's going to be ready, to, especially after they missed the tournament. Well, not missed the tournament, but after we all missed the tournament this year. I, I think Zagorowski and, and, and Balak are going to be ready to, to really turn it up next year and, and prove that the end of the 2019-20 season wasn't a fluke. Yeah, I think... The one area where this impacts Creighton most is defensively. He was Alexander was that on-ball defender. I think Creighton's offensively, you replace, you know, I think Alexander's obviously better than O'Connell, but you, you're not. It's not a massive downgrade from Alexander to O'Connell offensively. I think defensively, you've said it on previous podcasts. Uh, Alex O'Connell can't guard a folding chair, so uh, you know. And Creighton Marcus Agarowski is not a great defender. Balak is an all right defender, I guess. Uh, this team defensively is not really all that good defensively. Uh, it's just they can go out and score ninety points a game, and when you have Tyshawn Alexander, who's one of the best defenders in the Big East, you can kind of you know, shut down the other team's best player, which is why they did so well against Marquette and uh, uh, Seton Hall this year because they were kind of able to, Alexander just shut down Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, and game's over because those two are so impactful to how good their team does. Uh, I think defensively you're going to see the major impact. I think Creighton's still going to go out. They're still going to score 80 90 points a game and you know that will be good enough to win a lot of big east games but i think defensively is where you're going to see the major impact imagine that with olivier Sar. that that's good roster that's pretty good roster i uh, can move uh denzel mahoney down to the four i guess instead of the uh small ball five uh i guess jefferson mahoney uh Balik, uh Zagorowski, Ansar, that offensively, that's just a excruciating lineup to try to uh play defense against. You put you put Sar, Zagorowski, and Balik strong side and run a pick and roll action with Balik in the corner. Good luck out of that. You you can't. Moving on, uh, going to go with some guys who are kind of uh, borderline NBA prospects, kind of 
if you're like over 50 and kind of the mock drafts I've been looking over or you know somewhere in that range I've kind of put been able to put this list together uh, it's kind of stay or draft stay or go draft decisions uh, gonna start in the ACC with Amir Sims do you think he stays or he goes uh, is this is this do I think or should he uh, there's a difference when, got, when we're talking about this list. Um, I'll, I'll say should he make make okay. the recommendation advice. Okay, Amir Sims should stay. Okay, I'm on the same bandwagon. I think he's kind of just a. I don't think he's quite ready to translate to the NBA and be all that good. So I, I'd say stay in college. Mac McClung. Stay. Until you can shoot better, you should stay. Yeah, I'm also on the stay uh, bandwagon. Uh, rumors out there he might be on the move if he does return to college, but we'll wait and see on that. Uh, I think he probably ends up staying. Kofi Coburn. <laughs> that pronunciation kills me. Okay, so, you know, the value of the, of the NBA Center these days currently fits his strong suit. He can rebound. He can especially rebound offensively. He can protect the rim. Um, would another season in college help him? Sure. But right now, I think he would be effective in... Um, oh, damn. It, it just slipped my mind. The UConn kid who played for the Pistons. Uh, um, the beat? No, no, no. no. Drummond. The good, the good, Drummond. Drummond, yes. He... You know, he's not nearly as athletic as Drummond, obviously, but I think he kind of fits that. You know, I'm going to grab 17 rebounds and block four shots. I think he could fit that right now. So if he if he stayed, I wouldn't have a problem with him. Yeah, he's just a complete monster. I I, I, I kind of want him back in college basketball, but <clears throat> definitely went into – I'll say stay in college, but if he left, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. Luca Garza. Come back, please, because I love watching you play. I'll say he should. He's not really going to help his draft stock, but you may as well come back and be the preseason national player of the year. That's right. Uh, Xavier Tillman. Go. Yeah, I'm on the go bandwagon. He's got. I think he's got two kids already. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think it. I it wouldn't make any sense for him to come back to Michigan State. It, unless he's going to all of a sudden become Cassius Winston as a point guard. Isaiah, right, yeah, Liv- I absolutely agree. Yeah. Isaiah Livers. Uh, stay. His game is built for college. I'm, I don't know if he will ever be a pro, but he'll be an awesome college player next year. Uh, kind of selfishly, I want him to stay in college basketball. Uh, but I'll say he should probably head to the NBA. I don't think his draft stock's going to improve much. Cause he, I agree with that, yes. He kind of addressed, he was one of the better three-point shooters in the Big Ten. I don't think that's, I don't see where, he, where else he gets it, much improvement. So I'll say go to the NBA. Jared Butler from Baylor. Uh, probably... Probably should go, um, but I, I would love to see him stay. Um, I'm kind of torn. Besides, you know, I'm, I'm torn as far as 
you know, what's best for him and what I would love to see. I would love to see Jared, uh, Jared Butler lead that Baylor team next year. Um, is this game conducive to, you know, minutes in the See, what I, I, I base a lot of this on is can you can you go to the NBA and be effective, which isn't, isn't really the formula that these kids are looking at right now. They're looking at two-way contracts, G League deals. It, you know, the path to the NBA is a lot different now. Um, for Jared Butler, the past and the and the, the ability to go could be now. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say go ahead and go. Yeah. I think Butler needed an NCAA tournament to kind of show he's the guy. <clears throat> I think right now he's good enough to probably play in the NBA, but selfishly I want him back in college, so I'll I'll say stay in college. Remy Martin. Stay too small. Yeah, he's just a. You mentioned it too small. Uh, but he's awesome at the same time. He's awesome in college. I think he could go and get a two-way deal or whatever it is. But I want him back in college. I think that makes Arizona State really good, and uh, it's always good when uh, Bobby Hurley is uh, taking over the sport. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tyrell Terry. Uh, this is funny because he has the game, but the fact that he looks like a 13 year old boy really throws me up sometimes. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that he got the publicity that he should have gotten last year. I think he would do fine in workouts, but we're not really doing that either. Uh, I think he has the talent to go, but I think he should stay because I, I think when it's the right time, he's going to be successful in the NBA. Yeah, I think. Right now, I think he could return to college. I think he's one of those players that if he goes right now, he could get a second-round deal, no problem. But I think if he returns to college uh, and comes out a year later, I think he could easily be a top-15 pick. And so if that's the case uh, and you get another year of uh, college education from Stanford, which helps you later in life, I think – I, if I were Tyrell Terry, I would stay for one more year. Here's the thing with him. If you if you had the ability to take him out to Vegas and watch him play, you know, the pre-draft, I think he would open some eyes and he's the guy, the guy that would shoot up the bat for. Yeah. I think that's... Not having a draft combine is really a thing that's going to make a major factor. I think probably send more guys back to college because... You don't, you don't get a situation where you go out in the NBA draft combine and have a you know 50-inch vertical or anything like that. That's kind of... I guess hurts Cassius Stanley, who's already staying in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, Chris Smith out of UCLA. You know, the fact that he's a 6 9 perimeter player, that's, that's the prototype for players that I love. Uh, unfortunately, his efficiency numbers aren't great, and he's got uh, a reputation that, let's just say, he needs to kind of work on a little bit. Um, I, I think with some star power that we talked about earlier and Deshaun next not going to UCLA, Smith may have the opportunity to shine a little bit next year. Uh, I'd like to see him kind of take a step forward as far as his efficiency, but I love his frame. I, I like his, you know, the position that he plays being 6'9", 6'10". I think his upside is tremendous, but I think he should come back to school. Yeah, I'm also on the come-back-to-school train. I think he he really just – he showed it kind of at the end of last year. He's an NBA-level player. 
But at the same time, you know, he didn't get a chance to show for a full season he's worthy of being an NBA draft player. I think if he comes back for a full season, kind of plays the way he did kind of towards the end of last season, I think he's going to shoot up uh, draft boards and be kind of a first-rounder. Granted, we, we say that now. There's probably, we're talking about 70 first-round picks. So maybe not a first-rounder, but I think he gets drafted if he have, has a good season. I agree. Both? Gotch. Best name on the board. And it's the only name on the board that I had to look up who he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and for that reason alone, I'm going to say you should probably say it's Yeah, I agree. I, plus, he is the best name in college basketball, so... Uh, you may you may as well continue to have the best name in college basketball, uh, That's right. and maybe build that name a little bit more. Uh, I don't even think he's the best draft pick on Utah, uh, but and, and it's six six playing you know big forward. That's that's tough. Yeah, Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas. You know he's interesting. He's. You know, we've seen some scouting reports on him. He needs to gain weight, get a little bit bigger. But he is a dead-eye sniper, and I wouldn't have a problem if he stayed in the draft. Yeah, I agree. You know, he kind of had a little bit of a tough season last year. He did. Went through some injuries, didn't shoot it quite as well as he did in his freshman season. But I think the iron's still hot. I think he can go uh, right now and still be, you know, drafted in the NBA draft, which is, I think, where you want to go if you're Isaiah Joe. Andrew Nimhard. I think he's a pro, but I don't think he's a pro right now. He's just staying in school. Yeah, I'm also on this. He probably should stay at school. I just don't know if... If I were him, I would maybe look to transfer somewhere because I, I don't really like the way Mike White has been... I think he can be used more effectively at another uh, school. I'd agree with that 100%. Okay, two more, both Gonzaga guys. Joel, Joel Ayayi. Uh, I, I like that he does it all. I, I like him as a college player. I'm not sure um, that's conducive to NBA success. Uh, again, this is another selfish decision, but I think that him coming back to Gonzaga is one of the pieces that made them a national title contender for next year, so I'd like to see him come back to school. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's probably going to come back. I, I he improved enough to where you know I think he'll interest some NBA teams, but at the same time, he's not like he doesn't do anything well. He does a lot of things good. He's not like a superstar in any way. I think he if he comes back to college and whether it be becomes like an elite passer, or he becomes like a bullseye shooter. I think if he comes back to school and kind of starts showing out in one way that that would kind of get him to become more of an NBA player than he is right now. Last one, Philip Petrusev out of Gonzaga. You know, I don't know. I don't. It, this, is, this is one of those classic things where what, what does he have left to prove? How can he play better? And he still didn't impress people beyond, I think, a second-round draft pick. Um, what if he goes back to Gonzaga and he averages 20 and 9? Well, he just did that, and nobody really cares. So um, if he goes back next year and he averages 16 and 8, he heard it, he's going to go undrafted. So 
it, it's sticky. I, so again, selfish reasons. I hope he comes back to school. My gut says he's probably gonna he's yeah. probably gonna hear these in early second round draft pick. He's probably gonna stay in the draft. I think I think he'll come back. Uh, I think he should probably go to the NBA for the same reason uh, you kind of mentioned. You you don't have much to improve because you average 29 WCC and everyone's like, well, he did that last year, so what gives? Uh, well, he would be on the maybe the best team in college basketball doing that. Uh, I think he should go. I think he will stay. Uh, he's kind of that Ayo Dusunu kind of went back to college. Everyone's like, oh, he's now going to work himself into a first-round pick this year. And then he he does he improves in every way that you, right. you kind of needed him to improve. He improved his shot. He became a you know not a sniper from three point range, but a, he proved he could shoot it from there. He became a good ball handler. Uh, had ice in his veins every single late game situation, and the NBA is like, oh, we we don't really we don't see you as an NBA player. I think yeah, if, you're, you're 20 now. You're too old. Yeah, like that. That's just where I don't get. If someone, you know, you like him last year and he gets better, what? Why aren't you liking him this year? Uh, that's that's just a question that I have. Uh, One of the more memorable season. games of the season for me was he missed. What, what did Ohio miss? He missed what, two games with an injury, I think. When we all thought he blew his knee out, but he came right back. Yeah, and I, I don't remember who he played against, but watching that first game back, he wanted to show everybody one that he wasn't injured, and the two that Illinois was going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially at home. Penn State, and, Penn State. Okay, yep. And you know those two or three games right after he came back. If you're telling me I can have that kid in the second round on my NBA roster, <laughs> sign me up, baby. Sign me all the way up. Yeah, I might even take him in the first round. Uh, yeah. I think he's that good of an NBA player. Maybe I maybe I just am not good at evaluating NBA prospects, uh, which is probably why I focus more on college basketball. But <laughs> at the same time, it, some, some decisions that NBA front offices make in general uh, just don't make a lot of sense. Uh, if he shows you he's good... Maybe he is good. Uh, you should right. listen That's to him. That. Maybe it's just that simple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what? Going back to uh, Florida State, Devin Vassell, top ten pick this year, elite three and D guy. Uh yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to bet against the kid when you know. It's funny. He grew up. He grew up just outside of Atlanta, and I don't believe that either Georgia Tech or Georgia recruited him basically you know if you listen to the uh i've got to plug it because it's one of the best podcasts i've ever heard it's uh love of the game podcast with with some local atlanta coaches and they interviewed uh florida state assistant uh charlton young when he when he discovered when he discovered Vassell, and he basically saw Vassell make one move and make one shot and just wrote down on a notepad scholarship and uh, it, it's uh, you can't doubt a kid like that. You know, you see him burst onto the scene as a freshman, and you're like, "Oh, this kid has serious upside." 
and everybody knew it. You and I talked about it prior to last season. Everybody talked about it prior to last season. And he came out, and I think he, you know, he delivered in every single way. And it's not just because he can dunk on the fast break or he can shoot it in the half-court set. The kid was half of maybe the best defensive backcourt in the entire nation between him and Trent Forrest. Um, he's a two-way player. He can shoot it. He's got size. He's worked on his body. He's athletic. Um, I don't doubt this kid at all. Um, elite 3D, uh, top 15. He's a lottery pick, I think, for sure. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer in Devin Vassell. Yeah, especially this year uh, when kind of the draft is down. I think he's certainly his in the NBA. If you do not have a superstar, you need guys that play defense, are long, athletic, and shoot the ball as well as anyone. Mm-hmm. If unless you're drafting a superstar, which there really aren't a whole lot in this NBA draft, I I think you need to draft Devin Vassell because he's he can provide that instant three and D perfect you know offensive balance uh, that would really help a team absolutely agree 100% that will wrap it up for this edition of the making the madness p- podcast Michael anywhere were uh, any other plugs you want to make before we sign off here uh, just check me out, ACC Basketball Report on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. And check out his website, accbasketballreport.com. Follow him on Twitter at accbr1. Michael, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Always a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Making the Madness podcast. We'll start having uh, probably a few more episodes as the offseason. I uh, know we took kind of a month hiatus, but we're back.